Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God from our Holy Gospel for this 19th Sunday after Pentecost. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. This is God's word. It's not often that I preach through a sermon and then something jumps out at me the first time and impacts the way I look at a reading. Most of you know that most Saturdays I drive up to Amasaw, Sion Lutheran Church, little Finnish congregation. They worship about six or seven people on a Saturday late afternoon, four o'clock. They have me come up there and lead the service for them. I've been doing that for about four years now. And I had my sermon all set to go. And I preached it, as I normally do when I go up there. Well, as I always do when I go up there. When I come up, they expect to hear a sermon. And in reading through the gospel during the readings, in reading Luke 18, verse 1 kind of jumped out and slapped me in the face. And it hadn't done that as I was preparing the sermon during the week prior to last night. Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Maybe it's where I am, and I bet where I am is where a lot of you find yourselves. Oh, is it easy to lose heart? Is it easy to live in this world in which we live and become discouraged, frustrated, wonder what the future holds? And I haven't been able to get that verse out of my mind since then. Because I don't know if there's another place where what happens is what Luke does here, the author of Luke's gospel, obviously, is, is Luke. And he actually tells us what the parable means before he even tells it. Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And then he goes on, and we'll get into the parable in just a moment, but I want to just take a moment to just point out how timely that is. We ought always to pray, and while that's happening, do not lose heart. Before we get into that parable, I want to back up to the Old Testament reading, because, man, is this a weird text in Genesis 32. I know as a kid growing up, and this isn't a reflection necessarily on my grandfather or, or Pastor Keller who served after him, or any, I, I don't know, just in hearing preaching throughout my life, it always would kind of irk me when I'd hear a sermon, and it wasn't on the text that confused me. Did you ever have that? I, I'm probably guilty of it. I know there are times I look at the readings coming up for a week, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm not touching that one. 
Genesis 32, Jacob wrestles with a man and we're basically told the man he wrestles with is God. Not only does he wrestle with God, they're locked in this struggle until daybreak and it says the man who is God couldn't prevail against Jacob until he pulled a God move and touched his hip and put it out of socket. What what in the world is that about? Why would God be wrestling with Jacob and not able to beat him? Some of that I can't answer, but I want you to notice this about what happens in Genesis 32. Jacob is locked in a struggle with God until God blesses him. And the blessing that God gives to Jacob is a new name. Isn't that why it's so easy for us to lose heart? Because we are locked in a struggle with God. You see, I, I guess I believe it's much easier to be locked in a struggle with another person because at least I can point out that person and say, that's the person I'm struggling with right now. But who's your struggle with when you turn on the news and another hurricane is bearing down on an ocean coast and wreaking destruction? Who's your struggle with when you hear about a child who develops terminal cancer? Who is your struggle really with when it feels like one thing after another is causing trouble in your life? Who is your struggle really with when you just can't get out of your own head? And your own mental health seems to deteriorate. In those moments, don't we as Christians feel like we're locked in struggle with God? That's because we are. Made to be his children, every single one of us, yet at the same time, human and corrupted by sin... Those two things are at war with each other. We want the things of God in our lives, and yet perhaps the things we see seem as far from the things of God as they could be. We hear all the time, God is a God of love. God is love, we read in 1 John. Or how about the gospel in a nutshell? That verse from John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We hear routinely of God's love. But maybe what we see and what we experience is something totally different. 
our eyes are blinded to a God who loves us. Or, even worse, there are those who would say God is not a God of love at all. We know that's not true. So in response, what does God do? Mindful of the struggle that each of us are engaged in day in and day out. God gives us a challenge. That might not be what you're looking for. Instead, you're left saying, God, I'd rather all these things with which I struggle, I'd rather them all be taken away. And you know what, dear child of God? They will. One day. When Jesus comes to usher in a new heaven and a new earth, they will all be taken away. But right now is the struggle. And Jesus told his disciples a parable to the effect they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Let's look at the parable. Jesus said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. Let's just stop there a second. It doesn't say a widow came to the judge saying, Give me justice against my adversary. We don't know what, who her adversary is. We don't know anything else about her situation. She didn't just come to the judge and ask for justice against her adversary. It says she kept coming to him. In fact, if you have an English Bible, if you were to pick up one of the Bibles in the pews and look at Luke 18, beginning with verse 1, your Bible would probably call this the parable of the persistent widow. This woman is persistent. She kept coming to the judge over and over and over. Until finally, what does it say the judge did? For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice. Why? So that she will not beat me down with her continual coming. In other words, the judge finally says, I'm going to give her what she wants so she'll leave me alone and quit asking me over and over and over. That's how an unrighteous judge who cares about nothing but his own reputation, at the end of the day, he just wants to be known as a guy who keeps the peace and does his job well. Says he doesn't fear God, he doesn't fear man, he doesn't care what God thinks, he doesn't care about the widow, he doesn't care about mankind in general, he just wants this done with. And that is how Jesus invites you to always pray. 
like a widow who won't stop going to a judge, telling him what she needs. Or as I like to think about it, how many of you as parents have ever encountered something like this? Mom, 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 answer me. Mom, 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 mom. Or you can switch it around. Dad, 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 dad. We've all heard the persistence of our children when they want something. How much more so should the children of God who have a father who loves them even to the point of putting his only son into death on a cross, how much more will he not hear the prayers of his children and give them what they need? Now, of course, every one of you who is a parent knows that there are certain things that no matter how much your child nags you and persists with you, you're not giving them what they want. Because you know it won't be good for them. You know it's not available. You know it's not healthy. For whatever the reason might be. And yet that will not stop that child from continuing to ask you and over and over. And to come back to you the next time they want something. If we as earthly children speak to our parents in such a way. Expecting good things from them. How much more so should we pray to God in the same way? The Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5 tells Christians, pray without ceasing. Doesn't mean pray every single moment of every day. It means that prayer should be part of who you are as God's child. You know, this goes all the way back to the time of the tabernacle and the temple in the days of the Old Testament where the priests would offer sacrifices on the altar every single morning on behalf of the people and every single evening. There are in your hymnal prayers for the morning, prayers for the evening, prayers for the end of the day, prayers for the middle of the day. There are all kinds of prayers in there. Should we not, as the children of God, be speaking to our Father every single day, over and over? We often get accused as Lutherans of being repetitious. No kidding. That's the point. Because we are like children before their Father, saying over and over and over, God, Father in heaven, Give me your good things. Even when what I see around me in the world in which I live says the contrary. I'm going to find in you, O Father, a God who loves me and gives me what I need. Some of you in Bible study have heard me say before, I think us Lutherans, I already 
touted the repetition that we do, but I also think we're guilty of being pretty wimpy prayers. I think we often pray with the mindset of, I'm going to ask God for something, but I'm totally expecting the opposite to happen. So we bring names to be kept in prayer on our prayer list during the service. We ask the pastor, please pray for this person privately. We pray on our own. But do we actually expect God to hear it and give us what we ask for? Maybe that's because experience has taught us that we've asked for things and sometimes God doesn't give them. We ask for healing and sometimes the person doesn't recover. We ask for help and sometimes it seems not to come. That is when, precisely when, we are not to lose heart. We are to look upon the cross of Jesus Christ our Lord and see exactly how God loves us. Again, the words of Jesus from our gospel. Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus tells us, when we're tempted to lose heart, to look forward to when the Son of Man comes. And this, I think, is the great sin which ensnares all of us. We do get so wrapped up in the here and now, the present, the this moment, that we not only lose sight of what has come before in our Christ, our Lord's death on the cross and his resurrection, we forget about our future. The Son of Man will come. Will he find faith on earth? Well, God grant in us that that would always be yes. He will find faith in us because he will find our eyes fixed on Jesus. The one who has come. The one who comes to us even now. In the midst of our broken hearts, he comes to us in his body and blood, and he will come again. He will come again. Our justice will be found in the one who comes to bring a new heaven and a new earth, where every tear is wiped away, where death is swallowed up in victory, where evil and sin are no more. I want to close by telling you one of my favorite stories told by the good Dr. Martin Luther. When he was confronted with the possible death of his good friend, Philip Melanchthon. Melanchthon was one of Luther's colleagues at the University of Wittenberg. And around the year 1540, it so happened that his good friend Melanchthon fell deathly ill. 
And so Luther was at his bedside, praying for Philip to recover. And he did. He recovered and actually outlived Luther himself. And so Luther wrote about that time when he prayed for his good friend Philip. He wrote this. He said, There our Lord God had to give in to me. For I threw down the sack before his door and rubbed into his ears all his promises that he would hear prayer, which I could enumerate from Scripture, saying he would have to hear me if I were to trust his promises. Now that is prayer. Luther says he took God's own promises and rubbed them back in God's ears. Like Jacob, Luther was in a struggle with God. That's what it means to be persistent. So hear of the God who loves you, who promises love and care for you, and take what your Father has told you and speak it back to him. That is his challenge to you. That you persist in prayer. That you be confident in prayer. Morning and night and throughout the day, speak to the Father who loves you And yet with whom you and I as Christians struggle mightily. Be reminded that he is the father and you are his children for the sake of the blood of Christ. Persist. Go to your father. Don't ever stop letting him hear the words of the children. He loves even to the point of death of his son. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.